The message you are about to listen to is from the Household of David Mercy Conference 2021, themed Peace. Be blessed. Praise God. Household of David, praise the Lord. Now let's lift up our hands to the Lord of peace, the Father of all, the Father of glory, the God of all flesh. Let's just lift up our hands and adore Him. Let's just adore Him. Can you focus on Him for a moment? Just focus on Him for a moment. Focus on Him for a moment. Let the thought of Him overwhelm you. Wonderful beyond compare, ageless Father, Holy King, forever you are God by yourself. You are wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim glory to the Father of love. wonderful beyond compare ageless father holy king forever you are God by yourself you are wisdom love and righteousness we join the heavens to proclaim glory to the father of love wonderful beyond compare Wonderful, ageless Father, Holy King, forever you are God by yourself. Wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim glory to the Father of love. Say it again. Wonderful beyond compare. Ageless Father, Holy King. Forever you are God. Wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim. Glory to the Father. Say one more time. Say wonderful beyond compare.
Father of love, Father of love, Father of love, you're the Father, the Father of love, oh, Father. You're the father of love, father wonderful beyond compare, ageless father, holy king, forever you are God by yourself, wisdom, love, and righteousness, you are wisdom, love, and righteousness. We join the heavens to proclaim. Glory to the Father. Lord, we thank you for your love towards us. Now bring us to perfect peace by your word. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Please take your seats in God's presence. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you guys. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, in starting out this morning, I want to be able to establish with us what peace looks like and what the purpose of peace is from the scripture. And I perceive already that this house is a well-taught house. And because it's a well-taught house, many times it makes our own work a lot easier. But I need you to understand that in scripture, you find three functions of one kind of peace. They function in three different ways. In the New Testament, you find that it is called peace with God, peace from God, and the peace of God. If you understand the three workings of peace, then describing the journey into peace and what a man looks like when he meets the God of peace, um, which is where I intend to end this morning, right? Um, when a man meets the God of peace, what does the man become? So if you understand the three functions of peace, then you can now understand who the God of peace is. Are we together? So all of the three functions of peace come out of one God who is called the God of peace. Are we together? Come on saints, are we together? Alright, so peace from God, peace with God, and the peace of God. Hallelujah. Now, in peace with God, generally it speaks about the workings of Jesus that now makes that we can have access. So what the working of the peace with God does to a believer, hear me, is that it reintroduced us to access by faith. Romans chapter 5 from verse 1. If you open Romans chapter 5 verse 1, if you can give it to us on the board. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Next verse. Verse 2. I read all the way to verse 5. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of glory please 
slow down with me and let us deal with the first two verses. Alright? First verse, the Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. It means that the end working of justification by faith is peace with God. That means the middle wall of enmity has been broken. He is our peace who has broken down the middle wall of partition. Meaning, now what has happened, what happened between Adam and God in the garden has been resolved. And access here, take note, it's not access to God, it's access to grace. Are you following me? Are you following me? Now, the love of God made that even after the fall of man, hear this, the love of God made that even after the fall of man, God never separated himself from man. Because in the very next chapter, you found God and Cain in a conversation. And Cain was the dark part of what came out of Adam. Because by the prophecy in Genesis chapter 1, there's going to be a division between night and day. I, I wish you heard me. If you heard me, you will also hear that Genesis chapter 1 was a prophecy. And in the prophecy in Genesis chapter 1, God was intent on setting a line of proper divide between what is light and what is darkness. And what was the custodian of light was not even seen first in a conversation with God. It is the one that was the custodian of darkness that was seen first in a conversation with God. It then tells you that the love of God constrains God to relate with men even when they are in sin. So sin did not separate man from access to God. A separated man from access to grace. Come on, saints. Are we together? So if you read scripture and run through John 14, 15, 16, every time you spoke about the Holy Spirit, you can tell that according to John in prophecy, the Lord Jesus was the one who actually declared it. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Let me say something that's going to shake you now. It means that every man, including the unbeliever, can receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Except that for the unbeliever, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is always unto conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The love of God knows no bound. Do you understand it? It doesn't, it doesn't know a boundary. There's no darkness dark enough to keep God away. That's why he still sits upon the circles of the earth and rules even within the darkness. In fact, he's the God of the darkness. Oh my God. Did anybody hear me? If you understand it, there will be no situation too dark for you to know that God is present. The Bible says, and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God hoofed upon the surface of the waters. That means that the part of the Godhead that is a professional at sitting in darkness until he produces light is the Holy Ghost. 
if you find the Holy Ghost, he's the one to whom the dirty job is always given. The Bible says that he's the seal of our perfection until the redemption of the purchased possession. That means what God wants to come to collect is not the same with what he paid for. And the person who guarantees that I look exactly like what he's coming to collect, not what he saw when he bought. Oh my God. Are you following me? The Bible calls him the seal of our redemption. Sorry, the seal of our perfection until the redemption of the purchased possession. So when God saw Chintok, he saw him wallowing in sin. He saw him living in darkness. God still by the precious blood of Jesus paid for Chintok. But God said, ah, this is not exactly what I want to collect. For them that he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. That Jesus might be firstborn among many brothers. I bought Chintok. I want to redeem Jesus. My guarantee that when I come to redeem, I will collect Jesus is let me give him the Holy Spirit. It's a spirit of peace. Listen, for us, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee. So if you ever came out of a mistake, I call it a mistake. Or did you hear me? I didn't say if you came out of a deliberate orchestration. John said, Beloved, I write unto you these things that you do not sin. But if anyone sins, if it's not when. Is anybody hearing me? One of the things you need to desire is the day of if. I mean within the context of this scripture. That a day comes when sin does not become when. It becomes an if. It means that you are looking a little more like what he, he had in mind when he bought. Is anybody hearing me? So there's a perfect thing he wants to do. From glory to glory, he's changing me. He's changing me. He's changing me. His image and likeness he perfects in me. He's the love of God shown to the world. See, so the Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead that can sit inside darkness and wait until the Father declares, let there be light. So that your number of mistakes does not make the Holy Spirit tired. Ah, let me tell you a story. The second member of the Godhead, forgive my use of language, not very accurate, but for the sake of the illustration, he's the part of the Godhead with the shortest fuse. The Lord Jesus. And the shortness of his fuse had nothing to do with anything personal. You adulterous generation, how long shall I be with you? How long? He consistently was provoked by the disciples every time he expected that by now they should have arrived sometimes Jesus was crassly unreasonable oh, I know because it's Jesus I spoke about you have to eh? 
Who can say that about the Lord? Sometimes Jesus was crassly unreasonable. Sir, he was sleeping. Storm was happening. He was sleeping. Because he had moved from peace with God, past peace from God, he had arrived at the peace of God. We are coming there. Are you here? He was sleeping under the boat. Then they came and the master, don't you care that we perish? When Jesus woke up, as though he was angry that they raised him up from sleep, then he turned and he said to them, O ye of little faith, how long shall I be with you? Excuse me. How long shall I be with you so that what will happen? Then he looks at the storm and declares, peace be still. I'm coming back to this story later. If I share it now, it will spoil my message. He declares, peace be still. And the moment he declares it, the storm comes. So what he meant by how long shall I be with you is when will you know that when you see a storm, what you are supposed to do is declare. Now, excuse me. It's a storm we are talking about here. If you move that action to the realm of reason, it was totally unreasonable. Came down from the mountain of transfiguration, found the remaining nine struggling to cast out a demon, and he was angry. If you listen to him consistently. So one day he looked at them and he said, It is better for you that I go away. He said, for if I do not go, the Holy Spirit will not come. Jesus acknowledged that it is the Holy Spirit who can sit down with you. You are messing up. He's watching. He's the fullness of the revelation of what Romans chapter 5 verse 2 calls the hope of glory. He is Christ in you. That's the Holy Ghost. Is anybody hearing me this morning? That's Christ in you. It's the Holy Ghost. That one, he will sit down there. You will mess it up once. You will mess it up twice. You will mess it up three times. He never gives up on you. The Holy Ghost, he never gives up. And at the end, He's the only part of the Godhead who will lift up his head and say, they are ready. Now come. The Bible says the spirit and the bride say. So when it's time to declare come, the Holy Spirit, the custodian of our perfection, and us, the ones who have been perfected, will lift up our eyes to heaven and gloriously declare come. Listen to me. As the days approach on the earth that the bride and the spirit will say come. Grace is about to be released now like never before for the perfecting of the bride. See, it was when we were spiritual children that we thought that the perfecting of the bride means that people will stop sinning. No, 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 no. Sin is not the primary problem. Will we stop sinning? Yes. 
The Bible gives us a, a parable. The parable of the ten virgins. Have you read it? Let me call your attention to something you possibly would have not thought of. The Bible didn't say this, this, the parable of the five virgins and the five prostitutes. The Bible says it was a parable of ten. That means virginity was not the problem. What does it tell you? They are keeping their garments clean was not the problem. There was something that was the problem. It was oil for the lamp. In fact, the Bible says, because the bridegroom was tarrying, all ten of them slept. That means sleep was not actually the problem. Because even if he shows up in the midst of a sleeping church, the moment the announcement is made, the bridegroom cometh. Everyone who has a lamp comes alive. In that time, then what Paul wrote that seemed like an instruction will be revealed to be what it is, a prophecy. Wake up, O sleeper. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. And on the scent of the light that you have received, see then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. But the Bible told you that the problem was oil. And to interpret oil... We need to borrow Zachariah. It was Zachariah that told us about the two olive trees that supplied oil directly to the lampstand. Do you remember? And when Zachariah asked, what is this? The Lord said to him, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by power, not by might, but... But what? That means the oil is the spirit. It means while 10 of them were sleeping, some were servicing their relationship with the Holy Spirit, others were not. And by the time they announced the bridegroom comes, all of us knew that it takes the Holy Spirit to give us light lamps that are bright enough to meet with him. To walk circumspectly until we arrive at the fullness of his image. And so when the announcement was made, the bridegroom comes. The Bible says, the foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil. And the wise ones said, least there be not enough for us and for you. It means that the event, oh, I've gone to global prophecy now. It means that the global events that are coming will cause that in the coming days, the fate of one will not sustain the other. Take note of it. Every one man seated in church has to service his relationship with the Holy Ghost sufficiently without being dependent on another. Because in that day, every event that happens around you will require a circumspect walk. And there might be no time to play pastor's last message to find out what to do next. So, what are we saying? We are saying that you must soak in the message until you become it. 
I find out that it is easy for a generation to try to have a mental ascent of the word of God and not become the transformed word of God. Let me say something that might sound a bit offensive, but um, I guess you'll be able to take it. Cramming the word is not as important as becoming the word. You cram the word to become it. When you become it, leave the one you have crammed. You will automatically respond like God in the face of any circumstance. Did I say scripture memory is not important? How many have I quoted this morning? Since I stood in front of you, how many have I quoted? So I can't tell you scripture memory is not important. And yet, right now, I'm not thinking to quote those scriptures. They are coming. Uh, can, can, I, can I take a quick digression? Can I give you a quick side lesson? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, live your life free of covetousness and be content with such as you have. For you know the one who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Stop there. All right? Stop there. We're going to do verse 6. But look at it again. Live your life free of covetousness and be content with such as you have. For you know the one who has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That means every time you see covetousness and lack of contentment, you have not arrived at knowing the one who has said. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, knowing him is talking about knowing his person, knowing his ability, and knowing his desire concerning you. Some people know God. They even know he's good. They know God. They know he's able. But they don't know God enough to know that he loves me enough to set up every ability within his power to bring me to peace. Can I say it again? Can I say it again? Many people know God. They know him that he is good. Many people know God. They know him that he is able. But where Satan eats up many Christians is they don't believe that God loves them enough to deploy all of the resource within his ability which is limitless for their own good. That's normally the problem. If I shout now, do you believe God can heal a blind man? Everybody will shout yes. Until the day your eye is shutting. When your eye begins to twitch and it begins to shut, the first thought that rises from you is the fear of, is this how I'm going to end? At that point, many believers cannot say, I know God loves me too much to watch my eyes go black. But this is, this is my gist. You know the one who has said, help me. What, what, did, what did he say? No, come on, come on, come on, come on. What did he say? Next verse. So that you may boldly say. Verse 6. 6, 6, 6. So that we may boldly say. Uh-huh. Now, hear me. What did he say? I will never leave you, nor forsake If I ask you to say what he said, you will say, he said to me, he will never leave me, nor forsake me. But the Bible shows you here that by the time you are saying it, you are not saying he will never leave me. What you are saying is, the Lord is my helper. That 
means memorizing it is not as important as understanding it. Because when you understand it, you, will, you might express it differently, but the spirit of that word is not missing. So I will never leave you nor forsake you. Equals to the Lord is my helper. I'm not afraid what man can do to me. So a man who has understood I will never leave you nor forsake you is not actually necessarily saying he will never leave me nor forsake me. That's understanding. But let's, let's journey our journeys today. So peace with God. Please take me back to Romans chapter 5. Anybody getting blessed already? Alright. Take me back to Romans chapter 5. I trust God who has sufficient time for activation. Therefore being justified freely by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. 2. By whom also we have what? Access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in the hope of glory. This was what I was, exp I was explaining to you in the hope of glory when I said to you, it is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of peace who sits inside of us and looks ultimately at what God wants to make out of us. So hear me. Peace is not an emotion. It's a state of being. So when we are at peace with God, what it grants us is access. So that the middle wall of partition, that which the fall of Adam cost, is now taken away. Between us and God is direct access. Let me make the transition. Um, and I'm going very brief on, on this one. Peace from God, right? It's like the way the Jews literally greet. In fact, in the opening of almost every New Testament epistle, peace from God is mentioned. Are you following me? Now, that is the kind of peace that God ministers to a man by the operations of the mercy of God that makes that what the man has not yet become, God can fill up for him. Now, I need to explain something very quickly from Hebrews chapter 4. It will help you understand this. The Bible was speaking concerning Jesus in the perfectness of his ministry. And that was John expressing what they captured by the spirit. Because John chapter 1 opened with John expressing what they captured when they summarized the life of Jesus. And part of the things John said at the climax of that capture is we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Full of grace. Uh, 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 no, 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 no. There are, there are more Bible students than what I'm hearing. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So if you looked at Jesus at the height of his earthly ministry, what you found that were, were the constituents of his glory was grace and truth. Then you go to Hebrews chapter 4. And then you find that the Bible brought a twist to it when he said, Therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we might obtain mercy and find... Now, stop. Stop. 
The glory of Jesus. Grace and truth. The glory we seem to find when we come into his presence. Mercy and grace. So what happened to truth? I will tell you what happened to truth. Listen. By the time Jesus was doing his earthly ministry, the Bible said in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead. Hey, come on, come on, help me now. Bodily. And we are completing him who is the head of all principalities and powers. It then meant that every standard of God was met in Jesus. So if you wanted to point at the truth of God, you pointed at Jesus. But 1 Corinthians 15 said that the first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Then he went on to say, as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear. As we have born, past tense, we shall also be a future tense. That's not supposed to be hard for you to understand. We said that when the Holy Ghost was giving us to handle, his work was to perfect us until we can now bear this image. Right? It then means we are not any longer there, but we are not yet there. The day we get there, come Lord Jesus happens. Because he washes her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself. That presentation is not, here comes the bride. It is a stature that makes that the way he can govern the earth, you can govern the earth that way. Forgive me, I'm swimming past many things. Right? But I trust the Lord to quicken your understanding. Because we are on our journey to what Jesus reveals. So right here is truth. On that other edge. Can, can, can I get somebody on that edge? Uh, if I can get somebody else on this edge. Protocol, thank you. Thank you. Come, come, come. Come on, sir. Come on. We are distance enough. So we have not offended social distances. Are you watching? So we left this place. In our journey, we gave our lives to Jesus. He's now transitioning us into this place. Between here and there are the standards of truth we have not yet attained. And every time we see the standards of truth we have not yet attained, what we initiate... To cover up for it. Because there's no benefit of God that truth will give us that we cannot get from here. What covers the distance is what is called mercy. Is, is anybody hearing me? So, when we come into the throne of grace, the Bible says we obtain mercy. Then we find grace to help. Now, how does grace come to help us in our time of need? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you according to... So, when I acknowledge the places where I have not yet covered, and I ask the Lord for mercy, he does not only cover up for me, he reveals to me the principles that help me. Because the ones I have attained is grace. The one that is left. Is anybody understanding me? What I have now attained. This once I can operate. Who? 
those ones I can operate because the principles are now fully formed in me. There's a day you, you arrive at when compassion stops being a prayer point. The compassion of God now sits inside of you. Every time you see a circumstance, you are judging it like God judges it. At that point, that particular operation is grace. But if compassion was still ahead of you, what will happen is you will see a person you ought to be compassionate towards. And you don't have compassion. At that point, what hits you when you pass the person carelessly is conviction. The Holy Ghost convicts you that you were supposed to have done something about that because that would have been what it meant. Then you realize that there's an attribute of God that you was supposed to have been formed inside that is not yet formed inside. Then you say, Lord, have mercy upon me. When you call for mercy, you initiate the processes of the throne of God to bring you grace in that dimension so that the next time you see... So that's why it said that you might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the very next time of need. Anybody follow? When you understand this, it now tells you that everything you have not yet attained in truth, God can give to you without attaining. That operation is the mercy of God. So when the Bible says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Consistent greeting. Whether it was Paul or Peter or John, go and read their greetings every time. Grace to you and peace from God the Father. The peace from God is that the principles that make for perfect peace that you have not yet attained. God can still bring you to perfect peace by an operation called so when a man receives peace from God he receives peace operational in his life in its perfect form even if he has not paid the principles that make for peace Pastor read the scripture before he sat down. The Lord Jesus wept over that city. And he said, I wish you knew for the things that make for your peace. That means there are things that make for your peace. If the Lord permits us the time, we'll touch a few of them. But I know that part of my work in this conference is to stir you up so that everybody else who speaks... You are able to take of what they have said. And you'll be able... So now if anybody's talking, you can say, yeah, that's peace with God. This one is peace from God. This one is the peace of God. If that's all I do in this conference, you are going to be able to take the rest of the pieces and put them together. Thank you, sir. So this second operation that I spoke to you about is what's called peace from God. In fact, it is what Paul refers to in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, 6. He said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, look at it. Be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, do what? Make your requests known to God. Now, this will help us transition, but follow. That means I'm standing here and there's a lot of external pressure. I, I don't know why the pressure is on me. Because even though peace is not an emotion, peace begins from the emotion that arrests everything. You will, you will see it with me. Don't, don't worry, I'll take you to one scripture. Alright? So if your heart is troubled, it's your first indication that you are outside of peace. The Lord Jesus said, one of the scriptures we are going to read now. If your heart is troubled, it's one of the first indications that you are away from perfect peace. So, listen, let me jump ahead of myself and say this, just in case I don't get there. That when I arrive at this place, truth operational, what I operate from here is the peace of God. One, when I arrive at the peace of God on the basis of truth, no external circumstance can move me from it. Oh, let me jump there. The Lord Jesus said, peace I give you. My peace I live with you. He said, it is not as the world gives it. Ah, go with me there. John I want to see holy through your eyes. I want to know your ways. Take me to the cleft of the rock that is higher than I. John 16, 33 verse. Higher than I. John 16. I want to see Holy through your eyes. No, give me John 14 first. Sorry. 14, 27 to 28. Then we'll come here. Take me to the cleft. Look at it. Peace I live with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. 28. You have heard how I said, I go away and I come again to you. If you've loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now, listen to me. This second verse gives you the external circumstance. The man they have come to love, that has supported, that has answered every question, is looking at them in the eyes and he's telling them, I'm about to go away. And then they are troubled. And then he says to them, no, 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 you cannot be troubled. Peace I live with you, my peace I give you. And I don't give it to you the way the world gives it. That means, if you arrive at this peace, I don't expect that my declaring that I am going will make you sad. Anybody getting it? Let me move a bit faster. Take me to that scripture in John chapter 16 that we left. So how does this peace operate? Because this peace we are now talking about is the peace of God. Listen. These things have I spoken to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But rejoice. That means there is a technology that keeps you rejoicing in the midst of tribulation. 
is anybody hearing me? I have written these things unto you. Please look at me. That in me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but rejoice. So, if you are standing in me, what you know is peace. Peace does not change external circumstances. Neither does it stop the workings and machinations of Satan. But it makes that while all of that happens. Now, please hear this. This is me jumping ahead of myself. But hear this very quickly. There is, within the context of the legality of the spiritual realm. I need to say that again. Within the context of the legality of the spiritual realm. Stop. Within the context of the legality. That means the spiritual realm is a legal realm. The transactions there are legal. Hear this. The legalities do not play at all when it comes to a believer's relationships with God. So all of the goodness of God does not come to a believer because he did anything or because he said anything or because he is anything. Every goodness of God can reach any believer in any circumstance. But it is not true with the governance of the earth. Because when it comes to the governance of the earth and the enforcement of who rules here, that place is a legal space. So if God lifts a man and he puts him here, he has to provide a just cause before all principalities and powers as to why this man is here. Does it make sense? I'll give you one example you can relate with. Job. So Job already is the greatest man in the East. God needed to promote Job. But the only way that could happen was for God to provide a legality. If you read Job's defense of himself, even though he was speaking in the flesh, you would hear that part of the defense of Job as to why he felt that God was the one putting him in trouble was the fact that every resource he had, he mobilized into establishing kingdom, not into self-aggrandizement. So Job said, let God judge me. If I ever saw anybody who was hungry and I did not feed him. If the stranger passed and I did not give him a place to stay. Now when a man provides those kind of legalities. It tells you that there is a legal position from the standpoint of goodness. That makes God put a man in the place of governance. As far as the earth is concerned. And hear me. Perfect peace will get us there fast. Thank you Lord. Hear me. So, if God decides today that he wants to lift you and set you in the governance of the earth, what must precede it must be the trial of your faith. For two reasons. Number one, that there might be a justification with principalities and powers. Number two, so that heaven itself can certify that you have built sufficient capacity within yourself to handle what comes with this new office. Because woe to the king, to the land whose king is a child. Now, please follow me. 
So for God to place a man here, he has to permit that the world sends their darts. But Jesus said, if you are standing here, while the darts are coming, what will be coming out of you is rejoicing. Please, hear me closely. Paul spoke about it in some sense in Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul showed you that he had arrived here. Then he said it like this. He said, I have learned both to abase and abound. And I have learned whether in lack or in much. What Paul was saying is that you know that fear that comes in your heart when you check your account balance. And the account balance is not reading the regular base. You know, you know Mammon is a wicked devil. Let, let me tell you how Mammon works. If your salary is 50,000 naira, broke starts from 10K. 500,000 broke starts from 100K. 5 million broke starts from 1 million. If you arrive at the place where your account is used to reading 50 billion, 10 billion is broke. And broke is indicative not of what is left in the account, but the state of your heart. So you find out that pressure around you begins to increase. You are trying to look, eh, 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 we can't go lower than this. Eh, eh, eh. And then you move from the spirit to the flesh. I suppose I'm talking to believers. Because believers don't make business by engaging thoughts. They make business by receiving inspiration. And I'm about to show you in Philippians chapter 4 that the moment you step away from what is called perfect peace, you disengage from God and his ability to pour inspiration into you. Is anybody hearing me? Is anybody hearing me? So the moment I get to 10K, I get to 10 billion, and my heart begins to quake. What I'm losing now is perfect peace. So Paul says, if Paul is at 50 billion, what he's saying to you is, if I come as low as 50 million, my heart is not shaking. I'm not dancing. I don't come under pressure. That thing Paul said, he said, this is what governs that knowledge for me. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ. Oh, give me 11, 12, and 13. 11. 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. Next verse. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am what? No, 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 no. You didn't read that word. I am what? That means it is a commandment by the Holy Ghost for your heart. So fear not. It's not an advice. Paul said, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound 
and to suffer need. No, no, no. He wasn't recommending lack to you. He was recommending an antidote against every dart of Satan that comes to displace your peace. So if I had attained to this point, and account balances are coming low, and anxiety wants to rise, normally that's not this point, maybe somewhere. And anxiety is rising. God said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let me, let me hear you. One, two, three, go. With what? Now, thanksgiving is what makes for the unknown. Lord, I don't know what you are doing right now. There are elements of your thought towards me I've not been able to capture. But I thank you because I know that the thoughts that you think towards me are for good. They are not for you. Anybody still here? Then he said, with thanksgiving, do what? That means you can see what is firing you. Lord, the children are going back to school and that's some 8 million now. If you had 5 million and the children have got 3 days to go back to school, that sounds like a legal reason to be anxious. And yet the Bible says be anxious for. So he said, make your request known to God. Now, this is going to hit you. The Bible didn't say, and God will answer your request. There is something more important to God at this point than the answer you are looking for. The Bible says, and the peace of God. <laughs> Did anybody see it? See, see. And the peace of God that does what? That means God was going to help you understand why you are where you are. But because you are agitated, you can't even see the real reason. It means one of the first undoings of a lack of peace is a disconnection from operating the mind of Christ. If you are taken away from perfect peace, what happens to you naturally is that you disconnect from the operation called the mind of Christ. So God says, in this state, I cannot even aid your understanding. So you know what we're going to do? What you are asking for, whether I'm going to give you or not, is inconsequential right now. Let us restore you to what is now referred to as the peace of God. Listen to me. Listen to me. It means that the state of peace is more important to God than supply of things. It also means that if I don't arrive at perfect peace, I can out of my pressure meet my needs. But according to First Timothy chapter 6, I will wake up to find out that I have pierced myself with many sorrows. So the blessing of God that makes rich and adds no sorrow 
meets you only in perfect peace. So when the Bible was saying, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs out the issues of life, part of the things that reside in your heart that you need to guard is your peace. Let me say this to you. No believer falls into sin without a peace indication. When a believer begins to approach where sin is, the first indication is that the peace of God does not go there with you. It means your highest sign that you are standing in the perfect will of God for your life is perfect peace. So, we finish service and somebody is walking up to you and they are saying, hello, sir. And they are putting on a smile. Listen to me. Uh, at the point where your discernment is not fully active, your peace is. You cannot tell why, but I'm not at rest around this person. Listen, not every believer is a good company. Even God arranges us in tribes. Did you hear me? There are some believers, you don't keep malice with them, don't be angry with them, but there is no part of your spiritual development that is committed to them. I didn't say it to teach you to despise people. I said it so that, listen to me, you don't force a relation. I looked at one of my friends and I said to him, you know, you are not my friend because you are a superstar. When me and you are in a room, we are first and foremost friends before we are. Because I could tell that as much as he needed to add into me, I also needed to add. When you arrive at the environment of such kind of people, the first guide you need is peace. There are certain people who are good believers. With every attempt you do to come near them. I'm not talking about the fact that your temper is short or you lack patience. No, if, you, if you've got that, go and deal with yourself with God. I'm talking about the fact that there's nothing you can particularly point at as the reason why you are irritated by this person. But then suddenly, every time the person comes around, every time he tries to come close. If you are where I am, many of the people inside my life, now I cannot tell why they're there. And there are some people who everybody wants to relate with. They pick up their phones and they call me. Picking the call itself. He said, wait. I'm picking up. I'm saying, hello. Yeah. Yeah, man of God, how are you? I'm fine. I'm not being unpolite. Everybody who knows me closely knows that I can be very polite. I can be very polite. In fact, at some point, I had to ask the Holy Ghost to deliver me from niceness. Nice is not a fruit of the Spirit. I'm just a nice guy. You'll soon die. <laughs> Solomon has a, there's, there's a word Solomon calls it. He calls it the simple. The simple is not foolish. The simple is just open to almost everyone and everything. It's the simple that is easily broken. There are some of you that the, the heartbreaks you have suffered in your life. There was no ordination of God inside. 
It was just foolishness that took you there. Anybody hears me this morning? Oh Lord. Ah. So hear me. Nice is not. The person approaches and hello. Hi, how are you? Hi, can I have your number? Take this one down. The number I'm calling is the number of my office secretary. What I'm actually saying to you is the best that there can be between us is official. Do you understand it? Is it the way you made your hair? No. It is that the peace guide. Ah. Was Paul who said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. He said the love of Christ constrains us. There's, there's a constraint. I want to dive into this relationship. But there's a constraint. Listen. When the peace of God doesn't go with you. Don't go there. Don't. don't the end of it will be more sorrow. Than whatever blessing you harvested from there. So Jesus tells us there's a technology that keeps you rejoicing in the midst of tribulations. Now, hear this. We go back to what Paul said. He said, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. How many understanding? He said, it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the third dimension you can tell now is what scripture calls the peace of God. Once that peace of God is operational, what happens is that the man lives here. You send accusation against him, he lives here. You throw a dart at him, he lives here. Listen, have you noticed that every commandment of God is easy to do? When you are consistently in perfect peace. Ah. I will illustrate it. So they said something about me. Then I jumped out of my peace guy. And then I, I found out in the story. Pastor Sola, That it was even worse than what I heard. Then I now found out. That it was not only that person. Several other people. And their children were there. Then you are here. Then God says to you, forgive them. How many of you have you, you walked to church? Pastor said, this week the Lord is teaching us about forgiveness. Then you told him, don't go there. I mean, the first thing you said in your heart is, listen, your problem it's not forgiveness. It's that you did not protect your peace. Aha! So the journey to forgiveness is long from here. So people literally lift the offense from the person who offended them and they get offended with God for asking them to forgive. Lord, you don't know the weight of what was done to me. But listen, they spoke against me. Because Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. 
but rejoice. Ah, you are about to see something. Oh, he was not alone. There's an anchor for my soul. I mean, the Bible says which anchor we have goes within the veil. It is sure and steadfast. And it goes within the veil where Christ our fallen had gone ahead of us. Oh, and many people were there. Oh, and their children heard. You see, when I am in perfect peace, the Bible says it passes all understanding. Sir, at that point, I'll turn to look at the person who is talking against me and I will see where he's talking from because I can see that it is the lack of understanding within him that is coming out. Oh, it is actually a depraved personality within him that is expressing what he's saying. Oh, he, he has a bad personality problem. That's why he said what he said. Now, at that point, what should have become your pain becomes compassion. So you can be like this and still say, Father, forgive them for they know not. Jesus said, they know not. The only place that operation can happen is when a man leaves his own peace and arrives at the peace of God. Ah. The Bible says, blessed are you when men say all manner of evil things against you falsely. Stop. That means in the day God wants to activate that dimension of the blessing, he has to get men to say all manner of evil things against you falsely. What secures you in the blessing is the fact that while the curse came, you did not move from perfect peace. <laughs> That blessing is not activated from here. That blessing is activated from here. Because if what they said moved you away from perfect peace, it actually reveals that you are not yet qualified for that blessing. Anybody still in charge? So you have believers... Whose peace can be taken? Because somebody said, and then you did not sleep for three days. Because somebody said, no, 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 no. Lord Jesus, you hear the things that they have said concerning me. I ask in the name of Jesus that you forgive them and give me peace. You can try this. I found out that many prayers can take time to be answered. Not the prayer for peace. If you say to the Lord, Lord, send me peace. It works like magic. Lord, send me peace now. I didn't say Satan will not try to bring it back up. But every time he tries to bring it back up, you rebuke him. Every time you try to... Ooh. Let, let, me, let me quote a scripture for you. No, put it on the board. Romans 16, 19 and 20. Now you need to see what the God of peace does. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf. But yet 
I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple or innocent concerning evil. Next verse. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. When? Which God? The Bible called him the God of peace. That means, if I have done good, I have resisted evil, no matter what that has sent this way, if I maintain this peace, what I have just done is I have triggered the God of peace to establish that Satan is crushed under my feet shortly. Who do I believe us here? But take me back to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Let me show you something. Bible says having peace from God, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Romans chapter 5. It said, and we rejoice in the hope of glory. I'm in verse 2 already. Actually, I finished verse 2. Then he said, we do not only rejoice in the hope of glory, but we glory where? In tribulations also, knowing, somebody say knowing. Knowing that tribulation works what? Ah, tribulation does not work patience if you are not at perfect peace. You see, patience is not, people think that patience is well, the situation is bad, and there's nothing I can do about it. So, I don't know when God is going to break through for me. And we are on the edge of the circumstance, and we are all jittery, and we're watching out for how God will do it. No, that's not patience. What patience does is it brings you back into the middle. And you are standing right there in perfect peace. And you are saying to God, if this will last forever, blessed be your name. Because the moment I take that stand, the understanding of the purposes of God comes. If it's the devil who is stealing from me, instantly I can trigger, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil. And So many believers are here and they are trying to resist the devil. This is where you resist the devil from. tribulation. So Paul said we do not only rejoice in the hope of glory. We rejoice in tribulation also. Because we know that tribulation works patience. And patience works experience. And experience works hope. Verse 5. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. One more scripture. First Thessalonians. Wonderful beyond compare. Ageless Father, Holy King. Forever you are God by yourself. You are wisdom, love, and righteousness. First Thessalonians 5, verse 23, sorry. Glory to the Father of love. And the very God of peace. Somebody say the God of peace. Sanctify you how? Completely. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul 
and body be preserved how? Blameless. That means it is the God of peace that keeps you blameless until the coming of Jesus. Forgive me. One more scripture. Hebrews 13. I'll close here. Hebrews 13. Were you blessed? Verse 19. Verse 20 actually. But, but I beseech you the rather to do this that I may be restored to you the sooner. Next verse. Now, the God of peace, that what? Brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Please stop. Let's explain this verse. If you read the prophecy of the resurrection of Jesus According to David in Psalm 16. Please listen. The Bible showed that Jesus said that God as his peace will not let his body see corruption. He said because in his presence is the fullness of joy and at his right hand there are pleasures forever. Listen. It then meant that when Jesus hung upon that cross, one of the things the Lord Jesus did was to make sure that as he hung here, he hung as a lamb of reconciliation without an iota of bitterness against men within his heart. Am I talking to somebody? So Jesus literally was looking at those who were killing him and he was more concerned about God not holding it against them as he was concerned about him dying. So Jesus stands there because you see, it's not only the sin that Jesus will have committed that will have stained because he had to be a spotless lamb. It will have stained him. It means that if Jesus died on that cross with a single bitterness in his heart, he will have disqualified him from being the lamb of God. So Jesus was dying and he knew that if I let these people go and my heart returns to a state called perfect peace, I will trigger the God of peace to make sure that I am raised again from the dead. Now let me tell you what I just said. It means that if I keep myself in perfect peace within any condition, I trigger God to fight for me. Let me, just in case you didn't get me. The resurrection of Jesus was one event on the earth, sir, that nobody prayed for. Nobody expected. There was not one human contribution to the resurrection. His disciples were too scattered and scared to pray. Everybody, even the girls who found him alive, only came to embalm his body some more so that Messiah was too good to decay. In the whole earth, there was not one man in faith 
that was one action that didn't require the fate of man to come to come to pass in the natural listen to me and Jesus himself could not do anything about raising himself from the dead but the Bible now tells you that it is the God of peace that raised Jesus from the dead listen one of the greatest problems we have with keeping our hearts in perfect peace is that we have told ourselves, I don't deserve what I'm going through and the person who is responsible needs to be punished. Can I say something that will help you? Can I say something that will help you before I take my seat? Everything you justify, you cannot overcome. If I give myself the just reason why I should be afraid. I, I've said this publicly like twice now. Even though it's very recent. Less than a month ago, you know I live in the north. And almost every road I travel on, kidnappings happen on it naturally. Just, they cannot block you. And I've never lived in fear. Never. So my wife wakes up some three weeks ago. And she has a dream that I was kidnapped. And two days before, I began to get indications. Ah. Then my wife confirms it. She seals it with a dream. And my wife is a Josephine. She dreams it. You can go to sleep. It will come to pass. Instantly, Satan told me, Tor, your own has come. Maybe it's this next ministration you are going for. That's the one they will block you. Now, what was Satan looking for? He wanted me to take up my phone. Pastor Sola, part of the thing Satan said to me is that missing one ministration is better than the vessel of God being lost. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? No, does that not sound wise to you? No, it sounds wise. It just sounds wise. I would have simply said, ah, <laughs> The God who has revealed it knows why he revealed it. Oh Lord, my God, how excellent is your name. I mean, everything Satan could say, he would say. He showed me my three beautiful children. And he told me, You know, you know you. First and foremost, you know how stubborn you are. If they catch me, I'll be the one showing them the road in the bush. No, that place is not good. Let's go this way. And he showed me my, my fine wife. And I was thinking to myself, so if I go on that valley of the shadow of death, I'm not, I'm not sure when I'm coming back. Then somewhere in my heart, I heard Paul. Here I go bound to Jerusalem, not knowing what shall befall me there, except that the Holy Ghost has witnessed that bonds and afflictions await me in every city. Then I answered Satan and I told him that if they make the mistake of kidnapping me, it means that I have a mission by God to those guys. So I told him, watch me. Just watch me. Two days later, when I was supposed to travel, I picked up my canvas. I, I always, those of you who know me know that I always wear open shoes lately. It's because shoes are very hard. <laughs> they are hard to wear. They are very heavy. 
Every time I travel, I travel in open shoes. I don't like the formality in the airport of losing. Uh, so if I have open shoes, I just throw them out, throw them on my... Moreover, I'm from the north. So I got out that day and I told my assistant, give me a canvas. And he gave me, I said, give me a jean. They gave me a word. I said, anywhere they want us to go, let's go. So I said to Satan, I said, if it is the Lord that leads me there, he's got an assignment for me. Because God is too good to leave me in the hands of kidnappers. Then Sister Josephine came with the interpretation of her dream. With the scriptures that were given to her by the Lord. Then we found out that the Lord was watching to see whether our confidence was in him. Ah. I turned and I looked at my wife and I said to her, we passed. We passed. If we had justified it, to say the lamb of Israel cannot go out. I mean, there are many other scriptures that you can use that will seem to justify your state of fear. Today I came to say to you, fear is not an emotion. It is a spirit. Did anybody hear me? I said fear is not an emotion. It is a spirit. If I travel, if a revelation comes to me, I will wait upon the Lord and ask him, do you want me to go through it? If he says yes, all I'm going to require is, Lord, let your peace go with me. Let there be no time in the entire encounter where I feel alone. Be nearer to me now, especially in my tribulation. That's what somebody needs to pray. Because when peace is present, the Bible says it passes all understanding. So you suddenly discover that the things that you would have been afraid and missed, you'll be seeing the details. Oh, the world needs help here. This man is broken. So you will sit down and be ministering to your jailer. Maybe when I return tonight, we'll, we'll talk about those things. Paul was in prison. Him and Silas, they prayed and sang. The prison walls shook. The ground quaked. Chains fell. Doors opened. Within the context of 21st century Christianity, what do you think God is saying? Run! Go far! Your deliverance has come. He has broken the gates of brass. Call the bars of iron asunder. My soul is escaped like a bird from the snare. But because of a state called perfect peace, Paul knew that God was interested in saving this jailer. So Paul and Silas suffered the work of not only staying, but blocking all prisoners from going out. Do you know what it means for a prisoner to see a door open? It's you that is in perfect peace. No, no, it's not a prisoner. Prisoner, perfect peace. Go and ask been in prison. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The moment a prisoner sees anything open, he goes for it. So when Paul said to the jailer, do not harm yourself. We are all here. 
it meant that the awe of God that walked into that room that day was strong enough to make prisoners jettison the ambition of walking out. Because Paul stopped and he said to them, no, nobody's escaping tonight. God didn't come to make you escape. He came to bring the jailer in. So many times you are standing in a situation and the person you think is holding you captive is the true captive. Paul was in bondage. But he was looking at the jailer. He knows this guy is the one who is truly in bondage. I need to set him free. And Paul refused deliverance. When the jailer came, then the true jailer now spoke to the one who thought he was jailer and told him we are all here. The Bible says the jailer carried Paul and Silas to his house that night prisoner your house that night the glory that hit him that day he had never seen walked him home sat him down they washed him dressed their wounds and then these guys delivered jesus to him and his entire household in Acts 16 then they accepted to return to the prison till the morning when the morning came and they sat down and they said those guys that you poor kept what did they do? Nothing. Release them. Let them go. Then Paul removed his Roman passport from his pocket and said, I'm a Roman citizen. Where was the passport when they were beating him yesterday and trying to lock him? It was in his pocket. But the purpose of the God of peace was more important to Paul than the external liberties. Listen, when a man arrives at the peace of God, his interpretations change. Today I pray that God will bring you to perfect peace. The Bible says he keeps in perfect peace. Those who have their hearts stayed on him. I ask the father to cause your heart to stay upon him. Until you arrive at the place where you are not undulating between the emotions of fear and peace. Until you arrive at the place where you remain perpetually in perfect peace. Today we rebuke fear from you. I command in the name of Jesus. Let the hold of fear be broken. And I ask that the God of all peace. The one that rose Jesus up from the dead. Will go into every aspect of your life where there is death. And bring resurrection life. In the name of Jesus. And I ask that everything you have lost by leaving the state of perfect peace, by the operations of the mercy of God, let them be restored right now. Thank you, Father. I perceive that tonight there will be the presence and the power of God here to heal, to deliver, to set free. I know that yesterday must have been so glorious. Lord, we expect you even much more. Blessed be your name, our Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. You can join us for any of our services on Sundays by 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., Wednesdays by 7 p.m., or you can pray with us on Saturdays by 7 a.m. at Praise Sanctuary, number 7, Surulere Industrial Road, 
of Adeni Jones Ikeja, Lagos. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Mixlr. Or visit www.householdofdavid.org for more messages. God bless you.